Welcome to another edition of Campus Life, the college half of our Campus to Canton podcast here. As always, I'm Colin, and once again, no Austin. It's back for one week and leaves me hanging again here. Uh, but we are going to wrap up the C2C strategy series here with a one big recap episode here. Uh, before we do, though, thank you for all the support throughout the C2C strategy series. Uh, we had on some great guests to get their thoughts on some of the most important parts of C2C leagues. From Joel Humphreys at Fanatics underscore Joel, talking about everything you need to know as a C2C league commissioner. To my brother Evan and my friend Justin, talking about their experience with me and Austin in their first C2C league. Uh, to Eric Quartz at EK Baller, uh, talking general startup strategy, and Eric Froton at CF Froton, talking CFF strategy in a C2C startup league. To Kane Fassell at Debbie underscore Kane, talking about how he approaches trading in a C2C league. And finally, Austin came back from his HR mandated suspension for one week to talk about supplemental draft strategy. Uh, thank you again to everybody, all the listeners, for uh, your support through this series. Thank you to all of the guests who gave us some of their time, dropped some great insights throughout the shows, except for Austin, of course. This is going to be the final installment of the C2C strategy series to wrap up Campus to Canton Month. I'm going to compile my thoughts on the topics that we've covered before. So we have one episode with everything in it, talking startup drafts talking trading, talking supplemental drafts, the biggest three components of a C2C league. We get questions about different topics on these all the time. Um, so I'm going to try and address as much of those as we can throughout the show here. I try not to rehash too much um, throughout the other episodes as well. And just give kind of my thoughts on all of those topics. But before we get into that, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great pods. You can follow all of them on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live or check out the Friday Drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. And if you're looking for additional NFL or CFF content, Fantasy Points is a great resource. So head on over there and check out their site. All right, so we'll start here with uh, the startup strategy, college side startup, because honestly, I prefer to start my leagues with the college side of the startup. Um, honestly, it just is way easier to build your NFL team around your college team when you already know what players you have coming up. It's like doing the rookie draft. Um, you are for several years out in advance. You already know exactly what players you're going to be having coming up over the next couple of years. That way it can inform your NFL side. So, you know, I have a couple of elite quarterbacks that I was able to get here so I can take a shot on a little bit of an older quarterback, maybe wait a little bit on on a guy like a Kirk Cousins or uh, a Derek Carr or an Aaron Rodgers even uh, if I have a guy like Caleb Williams coming up. So I like to start with the college side first. With the college side, at the beginning of the draft, um, honestly, I prefer to draft from the 1-1 one, one if I can get it, obviously. Um, I'll take my top guy every time if I can. It seems like every year, at least recently, we've had one true elite prospect. Past couple of years, uh, we've had you know guys like Trevor Lawrence. 
and we had guys like Bijan Robinson. Now we have Caleb Williams, guys that we feel really good about here. You know, honestly, Caleb Williams still has not played a, a down in the NFL yet. Obviously, he's still in college, but I think we all feel really good about him being a top 10, probably a top five, maybe even a number one overall pick, honestly, with the uh, Lincoln Riley's pedigree and his pedigree as a Heisman winner uh, and with everything that he could do potentially this year as well. So uh, another year where we have like an elite prospect we feel really good about. And it seems like most of the time there's one guy like that. So give me the one one, obviously, if I can get it. Um, the rest really will depend on the year as to where I want to draft. So there's there's always different tier breaks. Um, last year, it really seemed there was a tier break around like the pick seven, eight range. This year, uh, there's a lot more uncertainty. So I feel like there are a there's a tier break around, you know, like five-ish. You know, you have Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., um, Drake May, Travion Henderson, and Nick Singleton, all guys that I feel really good about. Um, there's some other guys up there too that I still like as well. Guys like Emeka, uh, um, you know, there's there's a couple other guys there too. So I guess it's, it's I guess it's six at this point. So those are the only really ones that I'm thinking there. So right around six uh, is where the tier break is for me, right after Mecca. So I, I would want to have a pick in that side, that top six, get a guy that I feel really good about. Um, you know, but other years it, it's different. So it really depends on the year there, but one, one, if I can get it, if not find me the tier breaks, uh, in terms of positions that I target, I look at a, a quarterback early. Like I want an elite quarterback. It's very difficult to trade for elite quarterbacks. It's exactly like the NFL dynasty leagues. Uh, they're never cheaper than when you get them in a startup or the rookie draft or whatever it is. So it's really hard to trade for these elite quarterbacks. I want to get one right off the bat. I want Caleb Williams. I want Drake May. I want Quinn Ewers. I want those guys. But you also have to go into it knowing that you're going to miss. Uh, it is just the nature of the position. So there are times where you're going to miss. You know, when I was talking with uh, Eric Froton on the CFF Strategy Series, we talked about some of the quarterbacks from the uh, 2021 startup drafts that were going really high. Guys like DJU, Spencer Rattler. Sam Howell, uh, Malik Willis, Matt Corral, all five of those guys have significantly lost value. But you also had guys like Bryce Young and CJ Stroud who maintained their value and even raised their value in some capacity. So, you know, you're going to miss on some years. Other years you're going to hit. You know, we had guys like Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, both guys that we liked the entire time. We knew they were going to be elite, um, you know, so you're going to miss on some, you're going to hit on some. So you just have to be prepared for that. But that's actually why I also do like to try to double dip with some elite quarterbacks early if I can. Obviously, I want Caleb Williams and Drake May if I can get it. There's no way you're getting that unless you end up with two first round picks. So what I mean by double dipping is I'll look in the second round and see who's available. Are one of those elite freshmen available this year? There's a strong crop of freshmen. This is actually the highest graded quarterback freshman class that uh, I've ever seen. Um, going back as far as I could possibly go, this was the best class we've had. There were five quarterbacks inside the top, I believe it was 13 or 15 players in the entire class. So that tells you how top heavy these elite quarterbacks are. So as we're sneaking back around in the second round, 
if I can snag one of those guys there, I absolutely want to do it. Um, if I can't, you know, I'm also looking at guys who are at elite programs, uh, who have high end traits, uh, where maybe it's a little bit more ambiguous. So, you know, maybe we're looking in the third, fourth round. I'm looking at uh, Kyle McCord or Ty Simpson, uh, guys where there's definitely some risk. But if you get the starting quarterback at Ohio State or the starting quarterback at Alabama, you're going to feel pretty good about that. Whoever it ends up being, um, you know, they're, they have a very high likelihood of being a high NFL draft pick. So if I can do it, I like to take two uh, high end quarterbacks early. Just because, again, difficult to trade for, and you're probably going to miss on one. So, you know, I, I like to take a couple bites at the apple. Um, but after that, you know, I don't want to force it. So mostly I target BPA. Um, beyond elite quarterbacks, uh, I will look at elite running backs if I'm looking specifically at a position next. You know, I'm a little bit less confident about, confident about running backs the further down the list we get. You know, also, there's only one on a team that's relevant at a time. You know, I mean, unless you're splitting carries, but how often do we see uh, two running backs in the NFL on the same team that are valuable? You, you see a little bit more in college. Um, you know, you had the Javante Williams, Michael Carter year. Um, you have Nick Singleton and Catron uh, Allen, um, some guys like that, some situations like that where you can have some good running backs on the same backfield. But for the NFL purposes, which is really what we care about at the end of the day at the top of the draft here is what are these guys NFL outlooks? I feel a little less confident as the further down the list we get with running backs. So if we're talking positionally specific, I'll go target elite quarterbacks, then running backs and then wide receivers. So it's really nice to get an elite wide receiver like a Marvin Harrison jr. Because those guys are traditionally really safe. Um, but I do feel better the further down the list we go with some running with some wide receivers that they're going to have an impact at the NFL level. You know, even when you get down into, you know, your wide receiver 15, 20, um, 25 guys like Jalen McMillan, Devontae Walker. I think we feel pretty good about at least I feel pretty good about those two guys having success at the NFL level. Now, maybe they're not going to be this elite wide receiver one, like a, a Marvin Harrison, um, like a Jamar chase uh, or anything like that. But these guys will still at least have an impact on your NFL squad. And again, that's kind of what we're looking for. So if we're just looking sp positionally specific, elite quarterbacks, then elite running backs, then elite wide receivers, tight ends. I, I really ignore those guys at the top of the draft, to be honest, it's it's really hard to predict what tight ends are going to be uh, elite at the next level. You know, guys like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Um, I wasn't in Gronk. Like I wasn't playing C2C back when they were uh, when they were in college. But I don't imagine those guys were going at the top of these the drafts if if anybody was playing those at that time. You know, those guys kind of came out of of nowhere of sorts. You know, none of those guys were first round picks. You know, a lot of the first round pick tight ends kind of seem to bust. Um, so it's it's hard to predict which tight ends are going to be productive at the NFL level. So I really try to avoid it early. Um, but again, BPA, always the way to go there. Um, it, with early draft picks, you know, the, the pedigree of an early draft pick that I look for are, you know, obviously the five-star guys, um, guys who are high-end athletes, Guys at blue blood programs, 
uh, and guys with uh, previous production. So, you know, the the dream scenario is the uh, is the Bijan Robinson who has all of those. And, you know, if you could get him last year, you're doing a startup, you have the 101, you take him home run, obviously. So if, if you can't get all four of those things, I do tend to look at high-end athlete and blue blood program um, early. Production, certainly very nice, um, especially if you're, you know, that, that does translate well to the next level. But I will take guys like who will be the next guy, perceived to be the next guy up at a program, um, even if they're a freshman, you know, a guy like a Jonte Cook. Uh, this year, or, you know, if we're looking last year, a guy like Luther Burden, um, I'm not afraid to take those freshmen a little bit earlier if they're good athletes. Um, now, obviously, Burden not going to a blue blood program, but he's got that recruiting pedigree. So he checks that box. So I want at least two of those boxes and I want those two to be high end. Um, so I, those are kind of the things I look for in an early round draft pick there. But I, like I said, don't be afraid to take some of these top tier freshmen early, especially quarterbacks. Uh, the quarterbacks, their values are typically very insulated. You know, guys like Malachi Nelson, we're not expecting him to get on the field early this year, probably at all. Um, so, but he's still going to be a quarterback in a Lincoln Riley offense heading into next year. Now, obviously, Dil we don't know exactly what Dylan Rayola is doing at this point, but I still believe in Malachi Nelson. So I'm not afraid to take him early. Um, but even guys last year, like uh, Devin Brown, not a guy we were expecting to get on the field last year. This year enters spring in a QB battle of sorts. Uh, I think Kyle McCord is the presumptive starter at this point. It's honestly probably like 80-20 that he keeps it. You know, I think that uh, Devin Brown is still really talented, uh, but I, we're not going to find out who that starter is until fall camp. I guarantee that because Ryan day does not want either of those guys transferring out if he can help it. But even if Devin Brown doesn't start this year, I think he's a very talented quarterback. If he leaves, he goes somewhere else. He can start there for two, three years and be very good. He could probably start for, I don't know, 110 different teams in the country. Um, you know, there's maybe a handful that he could not, that he wouldn't step in on, on day one and be a starter for if he wanted to, or the other scenario, if he does not transfer sticks at Ohio state, Kyle McCord probably has a really good year. You know, Ohio state is just a factory at the quarterback position. McCord leaves Brown steps right in. And now all of a sudden Brown is looking like the guy who um, probably could be a high NFL draft pick, you know, high, a, a first round guy. If he can, put some of those tools together because he's got flashy tools. He'll be coming from the Ohio state program. He's got the, uh, the recruiting pedigree. So he checks a lot of those boxes that I'm looking for in an early draft pick, even if he doesn't have the production. Now his value has dropped a little bit, obviously, but it hasn't cratered like some of these guys do, you know? So I'm not afraid to target top tier freshman early, especially at the quarterback position. I think this year, the wide receiver position, I would be targeting some of these guys pretty early. Um, you know, your Zachariah Branches, your Dante Cooks, um, Brandon Innes, Jerion Dickey, uh, Makai Lemon, all those guys are my tier one wide receivers. And actually, Carnell Tate has been making a lot of noise at Ohio State, too. You know, he was inside my top 10. I'd have to pull it back up. I think he was somewhere around like my wide receiver seven, eight ish. Um, but he's been making a lot of noise. 
So there's there's some good wide receivers this year if you're in a startup. Uh, and I'm not going to be afraid to take some of those guys early over a guy who we're kind of just hanging out and waiting on um, to show some of the promise that we have seen before. You know, guys like Kendall Milton. I'm not taking him early. You know, he's dust. Even guys like a uh, like a Jaden Blue, who we liked a lot, and he has been flashing in spring. I'm still a little hesitant to take him early, given everything that he has going on. He lost some weight. Um, they, you know, he, he didn't check in where we expected him to. It's a crowded backfield. Um, so, you know, he's a guy. He's an example of a guy who still has some value insulated there. Um, even though he didn't really perform all that well and he didn't really get on the field at all last year. So these freshmen do maintain their value for the most part. But the biggest thing to take away from any of these, any any of the picks that you're going to make is you're going to miss. Um, this isn't a dynasty draft where we have a really good idea of who these players are already. And, you know, everybody is, you know, fighting for the same quote-unquote breakout players. Um once you get outside the top like three, four rounds or so, uh, it's it's kind of a crapshoot. I mean, we even those top guys, we don't really know what they're going to be. So you're going to miss on some of these picks. It's uh, it's it's one of the the, the stages of grief. You just you got to be on acceptance. Uh, when we look at the middle rounds, I'm still looking for Debbie upside here, you know, and, and by middle rounds, I'm probably talking anything after like rounds seven, eight ish um, is where I consider the middle rounds. I know it's still pretty early, but uh, these are, are the middle rounds is a wide range. I'm still looking Debbie first here. You know, I, I don't really pivot uh, on, from Debbie to CFF assets until we hit round like 12 to 15 ish kind of depends on the draft and, and the people that you're drafting with and obviously you know always looking for value there but up until around like 12 to 15 i'm still looking at guys who i think are going to have uh, an, an nfl future over production you know obviously there's nothing wrong with taking a guy who should be a cff producer before that if you believe they have an nfl future as well and that they are a devi asset you know the dream scenario obviously is is both um but i wait devil devi more heavily early than I do CFF. Um, <clears throat> you know, when I do finally switch to to CFF assets, it, previously, you know, last year even, I would have said that I value multiple years uh, it left in college over elite production. But as we have been going this offseason and this past season and seeing just the absolute havoc that, um, the transfer portal has been reeking on these G5 guys. I'm starting to switch gears to focus more on elite production, even if it's just one more a year. You know, last year, if you had taken, a, you know, a, a guy like uh, Miles Price early, um, you know, because you thought he was going to be the next guy up in a Zach Hitley offense, you know, he disappointed. You know, and then if you look at a guy um, next up who, I don't know, Carson Steele, he, I mean, he was a guy that we, we thought was going to be really good for CFF over at Ball State, given what he had shown his sophomore year, smashes in his junior year, then he enters a transfer portal. We have no idea where he's going to go. He ends up at UCLA, so that one pays off for you, but he just as easily could have ended up 
at uh, Illinois or Purdue or, you know, one of these other programs like where it's still a jump up for him. It's still a move into the into the power five, but where we wouldn't have felt nearly as strong about him. So with the way the transfer portal is, you know, sapping some of these guys, their value, um, I, I'm starting to uh, value this elite production. So for this year, you know, the UTSA wide receiver trio of Zakari Franklin, Joshua Cephas, and DeCorian Clark. Um, I, I'm putting those guys a little bit higher up than maybe I would have had them in years past because I think they're going to all three produce really well this year. Um, now the, the quarterback position is one where I'll there'll be a little bit of a caveat here where yeah obviously I do want the elite production on the CFF side but this you can find very good CFF production late um, for, even for one year you can get a Curtis Rourke very late in your drafts so you know I, I'm I'm holding off on on the quarterbacks in those rounds i'm waiting for a long time to take those so the elite production is more focused at wide receivers and running backs um, and i think the wide receivers are, are very deep in the middle rounds on an average year you know this year as well i think they're deep in the middle rounds but typically wide receivers are deeper than average so you know if i will i'll take i'll make sure i get a, a couple de guys that i feel good about on the Debbie side of things but uh the middle rounds is where i'll really attack the wide receiver position and then if we move into the late rounds, um, I think this is where you target some of those Debbie long shot type guys that, you know, they're entering into a maybe an ambiguous situation or a, they're going to probably be like the next guy up um, in a system. But maybe it's not a system that we love for fantasy purposes. Um, you know, it could be, um, at this point, somebody like a Catron Allen was a guy you were getting pretty late last year. Um, uh, maybe not super late. You were probably getting him in, I don't know, maybe rounds like 2025, 20, somewhere in that range. But I think he's got some Debbie potential, you know, guys like Trevor Etienne, um, who was a little bit more of a long shot, you know, not everybody was a huge fan of him. He was a guy that you were getting late too. Um, so this is kind of where I look at those type of guys where Katron Allen and Trevor Etienne will probably always be in committees at the college level, but they have grown in value pretty significantly over the past year, given what they showed out as a freshman. Um, I also target CFF guys in kind of ambiguous situations. Um, obviously, Austin likes to make fun of me for my one approach where I was just you know, scattershotting the uh, the Mississippi State quarterback room when obviously Mike Leach was still there, uh, rest in peace, um, you know, and we didn't really necessarily know who was going to be the starter between a guy like Will Rogers. Um, they had uh, Jack, I wasn't Jack Sawyer. I can't remember who it was. He transferred him from Southern Mississippi. He had made some noise in the spring. Uh, and then you also had Sawyer Robertson, who was a pretty highly rated freshman coming in. You know, I, I was taking like, all three of them, if I could, you know, so don't be afraid to double tap a position group on the same team. If you know, it's a great system, like a Mike Leach quarterback, but this is still a point where you kind of target those guys in that ambiguous situation. You don't really know who's going to be the next guy up, but if they hit, they're going to hit big. 
at the bottom of the, in, in the late rounds, you know, we're talking rounds 35 plus. Um, the odds that these guys stick on your roster long term are pretty low. So don't be afraid to take a guy that, you know, if he hits, it's a home run. If he misses, you have a guy you can cut whenever waivers come across. Um, but also in the late rounds, you also want to make sure that you are rounding out your roster. Your roster doesn't have to be game ready, week one ready or anything, but you still want to make sure you at least have enough players at each position that you can feel pretty comfortable fielding a lineup. And, and I know that sounds like duh, but if you only take three tight ends, you one injury away and a bust away, and you only have one guy now at that point, and you are in some trouble during bye weeks. So, you know, make sure you have enough guys that you feel like you can start a CFF lineup each week, especially if you go Debbie heavy early, you know, and you, you take guys in the Clemson wide receiver room or the Georgia wide receiver room who, I don't know, we feel pretty good about them. You know, they, they have some high end Debbie potential if they hit, but we're probably not getting that much out of them for uh, CFF purposes. Now entering this year with Garrett Riley at Clemson could be a little bit of a different story. Um, but, you know, Georgia wide receivers um, are a great example of, of guys that you're probably not going to want to start uh, on your CFF side, but it could give you some of that Debbie potential. So if you take a lot of guys like that, then you're going to want to make sure you still have enough CFF producers where you can feel to your lineup and feel pretty good about it. You know, I want five to seven guys at each position that I feel at uh, wide receiver and running back that I feel like I can start any given week. I want probably four to five quarterbacks that I feel like I can start any given week. Um, uh, you know, I want two to three tight ends that I feel like I could start every given week. And then I also want a couple guys who, if I have to start them, I feel okay about it. You know, maybe two of those guys at each position. Um, so I want my CFF roster able to be competitive coming out of the startup draft. Again, it doesn't have to be game ready. You can always make some trades. Uh, and you're going to have some guys who get hurt and, and along the way, and you, you know, you'll need to patch some holes later, but I want it to be pretty rounded out, you know, in, in, in startups there as well. Um, like I mentioned, I am a little bit more aggressive to, with freshmen, um, especially my top tier freshmen. Once you get into your tier, maybe like three, four, I'll probably pass on some of those guys, uh, and, and wait a little bit later just because those tiers are bigger and I don't have as much of a gap between them. Uh, but I'm pretty aggressive with my top tier freshmen. Like I was saying, I'm going after them rounds, you know, that if they're elite guys, rounds like three, four, five, I'm not afraid to take them early. Um, it, you have to keep an eye on, on ADP as well, because the ADP of freshmen will rise throughout the off season, especially as people, you know, start to catch up on their own research of this freshman class. And they start to hear some buzz of a guy like Carnell Tate, who's looking really good or Vendrivius Jacobs, who is a guy from Florida state that a wide receiver of Florida state that, you know, we were pretty high on here as, as a company, our recruiting team was, but he had a, a guy in front of him who was even higher in Hakeem Williams uh, in the traditional recruiting services. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be expect, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Vandrevius Jacobs start to creep his way up. Now, obviously not into the range where you're looking at Carnell Tate or, or Brandon Innes or any of those guys, but you know, 
the ADP of freshmen will tend to rise throughout the offseason. So keep an eye on those guys and use the uh, the draft probability tool over on our site here at Campus to Canton. Uh, it was put together by uh, our CFF team lead, Jared. Uh, it's, it's, it's really handy for your startup drafts, especially as we uh, continue to build out our ADP database. So the draft probability tool, you enter in a player, you enter in the round and the pick, and it's that the tool is going to analyze our ADP and, and give you the odds that this player makes it back to whatever pick it was that you entered in. Uh, it's extremely helpful, especially inside the first 10 rounds. Uh, after round 10 or so, I do tend to ignore ADP because it can vary pretty dramatically. Um, you know, after round 10 or so, I'm just kind of taking my guys. Um, but the, the biggest piece of advice that I can give for a startup uh, draft on the college side is it's twofold. Um, it's research, research, and more research. Uh, you want what I mean by that is you want to know your league rules. So are you starting two QBs? Are you starting three? How many tight ends are you going to start? What are your waiver rules? Do you have unlimited pickups? Is it four pickups a year anytime? Are there two waiver wire windows? Like this is like the 1930s or something. Um, so you got to know what your league settings are and, and kind of plan for that as you go through your draft. So and as an example, if it's unlimited waivers, I'm going to take some shots on some Debbie guys later in the draft and the startup draft and not as many on some CFF guys, because I know I can scoop up some CFF producers later on as the season goes. Uh, whereas if it's four pickups at any point in time throughout the year, I want my roster to be a little bit closer to game ready uh, coming out of that. Cause I don't have as many waiver pickups that I can use to patch holes. Uh, and then the other part of that is know the player pool, but there is no easy draft list uh, for uh, campus to Canton leagues, the college side, like there is on the NFL where you're on the website to draft and you can see this player pool. ADP is spelled out for you. You know, we all know those teams, especially in redraft where they auto drafted and they won the league that will probably never happen for a campus to Canton league. You know, maybe you come close to winning on the college side, but I highly doubt it given the, how long it takes Van Plack tracks to remove some of those top uh, players from the year before who have already left. Um, like I would imagine Max Dugan still in the player pool. You might get him auto picked for you early. So there's no easy list you can look at. You can't necessarily really rely on auto draft. Um, but what you can do is set a really deep queue. And this is something I really like to do um, heading into my drafts. Before the draft even starts, I want 20 to 30 players uh, in my queue, queued up, ready to rock. Um, this is the best way to make sure that you don't miss on a player who's still available. Uh, you know, we all know those drafts in, if you've done a campus Canton startup where it's around like eight, nine, whatever it is. And you look and somebody takes a player and you're like, wow, how was uh, Jace McClellan still there at this round last year? You know, it's, there's always those instances. So if you set a queue, you go off of your rankings, set a queue of 20 to 30 players. Uh, it gives you an exact idea of who is going to be there. You shouldn't miss on any players if you're doing this. And it gives you options at each pick too. 
you know, you can kind of pivot. Like maybe I want to go running back this time. Maybe I want to go wide receiver and round out my roster a little bit more. Uh, and then as the draft goes on, you know, each time you make a pick, add another 10 players into the queue, add another 20 players into the queue because it's going to get depleted as you keep going. So I like to keep a deep queue, like 20 to 30 players at all times. Uh, you don't have to auto draft or anything. Like I said, um, you know, on fan tracks, you can auto draft out of your queue uh, rather than like BPA and you can do it without um, or based on the, the the points projected points and you can do also do it without filling your position on every roster so if you are going to auto draft I highly recommend you use those two settings but just because you have a queue doesn't mean you need to auto draft it uh, you have to set it up that way you know exactly who's there you don't miss players it gives you options at each pick so those are probably the two biggest pieces of advice that i can give for a startup now moving into startup trading during startup drafts uh, i prefer to make trades for picks on the nfl side but if you are doing the college side first um, you'll probably find that that's a little easier than if you're doing the NFL side. Um, if you're doing the NFL side first, then obviously people are going to, you know, whatever draft is going on at the time, that's where people will want to move up in the draft. Common sense, right? You know, college side's moving on. They see the college side's going, they see a player falling. They want to go up and get that player. They need to package some assets together. Maybe they're willing to move an NFL pick for it. Vice versa, NFL draft is going on, a player's falling, they want to go get that player, they're willing to give up some college side picks. But all things being equal, I do prefer to try to go for the NFL picks first. I think there's a little bit of inefficiency in how people are valuing those picks at this point. It's one of the tougher things to do, to be honest. Um, you know, Kane, when he was on the show, gave us a good general rule of thumb where if you are trading um, college picks, for NFL, or if you're trading NFL for college, um, a, a good rule of thumb is NFL pick um, or college pick minus two rounds for the college side. So, or for the NFL side. So, you know, if I'm looking for a second or a third round NFL pick, I want a first round on the college side. If I'm looking at a seventh round NFL pick, um, I want at least a fifth round on the college side and probably more. So, I think. That's a good baseline. Um, but generally what I tend to do is put ADP uh, to work in this situation and figure out what players am I going to be getting there? Um, you know, am I going to be at this range? Am I going to be getting a guy that I feel good about for the NFL side um, in the college, like in rounds like seven and eight? You know, probably not. So I'm probably not trading uh, around seven, eight pick on the college side for around nine, 10, even 11 on the NFL side. I just don't see a lot of value in um, trading what we know as a, as a known asset on the NFL side for an unknown to that degree in college. When we're a little bit earlier, you know, you're looking at um, fourth round on the NFL side. Uh, those are still some pretty valuable players. So I, I want at least a second on that side, because on the, on the college side, you can get a guy that we still feel pretty good about at that point. But honestly, I would probably want even more than that. It, again, it depends on the players who are going to be available, but you're going to want to base it on ADP and just kind of use the plus two rounds as, as a guideline. 
Uh, and then I'm also I'm not trading a first round NFL pick for college assets at all. Probably not trading a, a second round NFL asset uh, pick for for college assets for just college assets at all either. But definitely not an NFL first. Do not trade your NFL first for just college pieces. It's not a good idea. Those NFL pieces are elite assets. It's akin to trading a Jamar Chase for a handful of of darts. You know, you're trading a dollar for 10 dimes at that point. You know, it's I don't trade at first round startup picks like at all. Um, When you're looking at trading across leagues uh, with college players compared to NFL players, uh, again, I'm not trading those elite players at all for for just college players. Now, if I'm getting a tier down on the NFL side, so if we're looking at a Devontae Adams that I'm trading as an NFL player, um, he's not quite elite, but I would still prefer to tier down. So I'll trade a Devontae Adams for uh, maybe a Drake London and a college piece. Or, you know, if we even go a little bit further down the list, um, you know, maybe an Elijah Moore now that he's in uh, in Cleveland and, and could be looking at an opportunity. Maybe I'm trading Devontae Adams for an Elijah Moore and a high-end college piece like a uh, Mecca Egbuka or a Luther Burden or somebody along those lines. So I'm probably not trading too many NFL players for just college pieces until we get a little further down and we're looking at some guys who are on the NFL side who are a little bit more replaceable. Um, a guy like a Damian Pierce or a Devin Singletary um, prior to, to him going to Houston um, or just anybody in that like back end RB2 range, those are very replaceable players. So yeah, I'll look at trading them for just college pieces. Um, but if I am doing that, I'm probably wanting to get a couple of Debbie assets back or even at least I want to get one guy that I feel good about and then maybe a couple other players that are maybe longer shots. Um, in one league, uh, it was a year, over a year ago at this point, I had traded Nick Chubb uh, and Calvin Ridley for uh, a bunch of bites at the Apple. I traded him for Zach Evans, a first that ended up being Caleb Williams, um, which obviously is a fantastic pick there. Um, and then that tips the value in this in this scale. But um, it was Zach Evans, a first, and Rakeem Jarrett and Parker Washington. So I got a lot of bites at the apple there. You know, uh, Jarrett and Washington, who knows what they're going to be. We'll see what the NFL comes up. Those guys lost some value. Uh, but Zach Evans and the, that first, those maintain value. Um, so if I am moving those pl- types of players, I want a lot of bites at the apple. Uh, and then just in terms of deciding when it's time to trade, I've talked about this a couple times on shows here before, but I like to be first to market. So I want to be early. I want to make a decision about my team, um, where I'm at, and you know, feel good about it. Obviously, I don't want to rush it. If I am one and three on the college side, and I have a lot of points for, and I've just had a couple bad weeks, maybe an injury or two, maybe I'll give it another week or two. But if I'm zero and four, or even one and three, and my team in terms of points scored is towards the bottom of the standings. And I don't have a lot of those Mac guys that I'm expecting to, you know, pop off late in the season. I'm going to start selling off now and be first to market and set that market. Um, and then in terms of who you're looking to trade with, 
again, another thing we talked about a couple of times here on the show is look for the, the inverse of you. If you are not competing on the college side, look for somebody who is competing on the college side. Look for that team who's in like third or fourth place, uh, you know, and they just need like one, maybe two more pieces to, to jump up there. Um, target them, target some of the Debbie assets on their team, or if they suck on the NFL side, target some of those NFL pieces. Um, but in terms of startup strategy here, um, with supplemental picks, again, trading really depends on where your team is at. Um, but I do prefer to acquire some supplemental picks, at least the early ones. Um, you know, obviously everybody wants those first round picks, you know, those are a little bit harder to get, but you know, rounds two and three are a little bit easier to get. So I'll try and get those as trade-ins throughout the, or as throw-ins to trades throughout the season, you know, regardless of where, what, regardless of whether I'm, I'm competing or not, like I like to try to get those thrown in or not. Now, obviously if I'm not competing on the college side, then I'm targeting them a little more aggressively. Um, and if I am competing on the college side, I'm a little more willing to move them away. But I feel like those second, third, fourth round picks are where the value is at this point in time. I don't think people necessarily value those quite the right way. Um, whereas, you know, picks a little bit later, you know, picks seven, eight, nine, um, there's not much difference between picks seven, eight, nine and, you know, picks 11, 12, 13, 14, you know, as we get down the list, you know, the, the gap in value of those players um, just kind of shrinks and shrinks. So I'm looking to move for the early picks and I'm much more willing to move away and trade away some of those later picks, which sounds very obvious, but uh, that is just how I like to attack it. Um, especially because, you know, we, we hear that it's, it's easy to rebuild your college side in one year using the supplemental draft and kind of the way to do that, at least in my eyes, you know, Austin talked about this on the, on the show that we did last week. Uh, in my eyes, the way to turn your, team around in one year is to take advantage of some of those inefficiencies in, like I said, in, you know, rounds three and four, um, you know, take advantage of those and trade back a little bit. You know, if you have, if you've traded away a couple of picks in the middle rounds, don't be afraid to trade back from round, you know, five, six into, you know, rounds eight and nine. Um, somewhere in that range, you know, just stock up on some of those later picks because that's where you end up tending to target some of those CFF producers. Um, there's oftentimes the CFF producers, especially given the transfer portal and the way that that's worked, um, that they're going to be available in the later rounds of your draft. So you can target those guys more heavily in the mid to late rounds and turn your team around in, in, in one year, you know, target the, and treat it like the end of a, of a startup where you're targeting some of these ambiguous situations where if it hits, it's a home run. Uh, and if it's not, then you can drop it. Um, and then for roster construction uh, coming out of a supplemental draft, I, I again, I'm, I'm treating it kind of similarly to a startup where I want to come out of the draft where my team is mostly ready for week one. Again, doesn't have to be perfect. You still have the opportunity to trade. You're still going to have some injuries and everything, but I want to come out of the supplemental draft each year feeling like I could feel, feel the team and be competitive. Um, so I do try to, in the later rounds, have some balance 
in the supplemental draft. If I am weak at the quarterback position because I just had CJ Stroud and Max Dugan and uh, and Hendon Hooker leave, then you know obviously I'm going to want to target quarterback a little bit more heavily there. Uh, if I just lost Michael Mayer and you know or uh, Dalton Kincaid, then I'm going to want to target tight end a little bit heavier. So I, I do look to round out my roster towards the end of the draft. Um, but that is really going to do it here for my thoughts on startup trading and supplemental draft strategies. Uh, again, appreciate everybody's support throughout the C2C strategy series. Um, you know, we probably won't do this again next year. This is meant to be a little bit more like evergreen content, you know, something for uh, beginners to go back and reference when, you know, in 2024 hits and and this is your first C2C league, uh, you know, we're going to want to going to reference this uh, at different times. So, you know, we will be back next week with more of the regular uh, content here from Campus Life. But I do want to say we have a very special episode planned next week. Uh, you're definitely not going to want to miss this one. So I'm not going to give any spoilers for it. And I'm going to twist everybody at Campus Scan's arm to not give anything away on this one. But uh, we have a special episode planned for next week. Um, but until then, I am Colin. And have a good one.